Another year, another season as we teeter on what is right now, the night before the 2018-19 sesh begins. What are our hopes, our dreams? As Gerald and I declare, our blood is Maple Leafs blue. Is it right that Toronto have gone from a blow-up to betting favourites for the Stanley Cup in just three years? Maybe that gives you hope right now if you're an Ottawa fan. So from Tavares' trip 500 miles north back home to Toronto, from Carlson saying bye-bye to the Sens and hello San Jose, to the introduction of an orange furry wobbly-eyed mascot to the exit of Joe Thornton's beard, and of course we've got to mention Mitch Marner's failed attempt at a summer beard too. There's a lot happened in the last six months of the off-season. So are Max Domi and Tom Wilson's potential or pre-season suspensions worth the paper they're written on? And after supposedly a lack of love and publicity, are the NHL Global Series worth even bothering with? Colorado Avalanche fan and American sports enthusiast Stephen Edwards joins me, Jolyn Kemp-Walker, and her over there, Claire Freeman, on the first episode of NFFA's season. Well, that's that bit done. And it took two takes, didn't it? Well, yeah. All right, we'll say two. We've got, we've got something to improve on, basically. We have. We? we can get. We'll get that in one soon. <laughs> Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Once the uh, the tiredness settles in of watching NHL ice hockey again, we will make sure we get that done in one. My Fitbit has been so happy with me that I've managed to have solid eight hours sleep for the last five months. <laughs> That's not going to. And now anymore. you enter into this thing where you just uh, the lengths that we go to as hockey fans. Mm to commit and dedicate ourselves. I mean, yeah. like, we've only met a few weeks ago, Joel, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we, so we have. Disclaimer alert. We're yeah. discovering our love of hockey yeah. together as we enter this brand new season. But and that's one of the things I love about ice hockey in this country and being a supporter of ice hockey in this country is because we are part of a really cool little group of people who follow the NHL from over here. And when you meet someone or when you see someone wearing a cap, even if it's an Ottawa Senators cap, even if it's one of them, you look at them and you go, oh, you're, you're good. You're wearing an NHL cap. And that's great. And I love it. And when you get to meet people, and that's what inspired us to do this podcast, is that we wanted to basically talk about it. And we wanted someone who would be interested in listening, which is you, Claire, for me, and hopefully vice versa. And the people who we get in um, to chat to us are people who just love ice hockey. And it's an excuse for us to chat about it. It's such a weird thing, isn't it? You know, when you're sat in your bedroom and and none of my friends, um, you know, in my main social circle understand what it means to love ice hockey so much. And, you know, I mentioned there about the lengths that we go to. I'm really keen, actually, because I know that there are going to be people who are nodding their heads as we talk about some of the things that we confess to doing. Oh, uh, yeah. To to take that fan dedication. And uh, over the next um, season, what we want to do is we want to capture we're obviously Toronto Maple Leafs fans but we're not exclusively a podcast for Toronto fans we want to develop our knowledge um, of the whole of the league so we would love you to get in contact with us you can hit subscribe on this podcast right now we're going to release an episode every Thursday and each week we're going to bring in a fan of a different team so we can expand our knowledge get a little slither of it but a bit more information from across the league and just 
find out, lift the carpet of how nerdy people really are. <laughs> whether you live in the UK, whether you live in Brazil, whether you live in Dubai, China, Japan, we want to hear it all. So Yeah, and I'd like to uh, take this moment to welcome along again Stephen Edwards, who is a uh, Colorado Avalanche fan and also a North American sports fan, and just sports fan in general, I think I get the impression. Stephen, you were describing to me just beforehand how your kind of normal evening or weekend might be sat in front of various different screens with loads of different sports on. Tell us how, just to start with, to introduce yourself, tell us how you got into ice hockey. So for me, ice hockey began when I was over at a friend's house back in, I think it was around about 1990 when the Stanley Cup finals was on. And he was just sitting there watching. I was like, this is, this looks brilliant compared yeah. with anything else I'd seen up to that point. I'd seen some baseball, seen some basketball, seen some football. I hadn't really got involved in ice hockey, not even in this country, but it was it enthralled me right from the get-go. First game I ever saw was the first game of those Stanley Cup finals, which went to triple overtime. Wow. I was like, for me, it's like, this. so this game can just go on and on and on and it just doesn't stop until you get an actual winner. And that was, it was like, that's amazing. Yeah. When you think about how many sports just finish on a draw and things like that. Cricket. And this, yeah, this is exactly <laughs> it. So you have five days <laughs> to get a result. But then this could have gone, this went on for, I think like six hours, I think, of actual yeah. time invested. And that you... Back when you used to have like the videotapes, you'd have to like extend the play the videotapes <laughs> <laughs> to be able to get the whole game yeah, on. Of course. So thankfully, you had to do that as well. And that was when it, I first um, got into ice hockey. Into like, the next season, I was like, I've got to pick a team, mm. and I started watching the Quebec Nordiques, which obviously don't exist anymore. So I grew up a big Joe Sakic fan. Right. So when they moved to Colorado, that's when they won their two Stanley Cups. Great times then, and then since then, it's been kind of downhill. Um, I've managed to see Colorado play over in the States. I've managed to see them play in Sweden. It's mm. just been like an up and down, well, marriage, I suppose, of, of, of trying to put it into that kind of context. Because you have your good times, you have your bad times, you have your sleepless nights, mm. you have your nights on the sofa. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Don't yeah. Like that. That. yeah. Well, see, I, I have to admit, I know very little about Colorado. Like, where, where, how are you doing it at the moment? Because, you know, a lot of the time when you support your team, you really do focus in on mm. your, your you know, division, don't you? And let's face it, that's easier as a Toronto fan yeah. because however much other NHL teams will hate this, Toronto is one of the biggest teams in the NHL, gets some of the yeah. biggest coverage across the whole league. It's very hard to avoid Toronto sports coverage. As an Avalanche fan, that must be completely different. Yeah, it is very different. I mean, thinking about when I first started getting into ice hockey, you would, I mean, it was back in the days of, you know, screen sport and stuff like that. Mm. You didn't, you couldn't watch every single game. Mm. So you just kind of see games from different teams and that would be about it. When the advent of, you know, like NHL showing every single game, it's become obviously a lot easier now to follow your teams. Although for me, maybe I should have thought about something that was a bit closer to the time zone that I was (laughs) in. Maybe like an East Coast team rather than seven hours difference. When you're watching, you know, games from Colorado and they don't tend to be on national television. So the early games on a Saturday and a Sunday. So you you do tend to have to really, you know, not subscribe, but it is is like a, a relationship you have with this team. Colorado aren't doing so well to ask your question now, mm. but they they've got in the playoffs last season when nobody really expected them to be able to do so. I mean, before we came on air, we were talking about like the Matt Duchesne saga that seemed like went on and on and on. <laughs> and then once Duchesne went, 
it seemed as though things kind of like started working themselves out in Colorado. Colorado started playing a lot better. I mean, when you talk about their best players, you're talking about Nathan McKinnon, you're talking about Gabriel Landeskog. They're, they're the players that make that team tick. And I think, again, when we're coming to this season, a lot of things are going to be based around how well those two guys do and Rantanen as well. And if they can score enough goals, then I think you know they do have a chance to be one of those lower seeds in the playoffs. But the Western Conference is really tough. Mm. Now, we mentioned there about the lengths that people go to to watch the games. You just mentioned there the time zone difference. Give us a little sample of some of the extreme things that you're doing. I know you've got one particular story, and I haven't heard it yet, but it's something to do with the birth of one of your sons. Oh, no. So, yeah, and it, unfortunately, this doesn't necessarily resolve around ice hockey, but it revolves around American sports in general, so mm-hmm. a lot of people understand that. But my eldest son was born in October, and for any sports fan, that is when the, the baseball playoffs are on. So I, you know, waiting around until such time as when, you know, my wife was going to give birth to our eldest and you're just like, you know, he doesn't know what's going to happen and all of that. So I would sometimes sit up and watch some of the games because my team were in the playoffs then. And but this time I was I I really was struggling with sleep. So I I put the game on to record on the skybox and not even didn't even think anything of it. And then the following day, we ended up going to the hospital for, um, you know, my wife to give birth to our eldest. And then thinking a couple of days later, you know, I've got some sleepless nights here. I can kind of play catch up on this sort of stuff. So I go to put this recording on of, of one of the games. And then all of a sudden the recording cuts off. <laughs> and I'm just like, halfway through the game, the recording cuts off. I have avoided the score the whole time. Not even like in hospital, like and all of that. I've just just not had the opportunity to find out what's happening. So I just wanted to watch this game. Yeah. So then when she's like come downstairs, she's like, you know, what do you know anything about the skybox? Oh yeah, I, I turned off the recording because I wanted to to watch something else because I couldn't sleep. Uh-huh. So you you can't kind of then <laughs> say anything else because like I can understand it from that point of view, but under my breath, I was like, I I really, really wanted to watch that game, but it's many sleepless it's many sleepless nights as all of us well know because it's yeah. it's it's very very difficult but it it does lead to some um yeah to turning up for work when you're half asleep at times but you didn't have social media then at least well, i yeah. find this brutal yeah. with social media because no matter how you think you've turned off all like flash scores notifications nhl notifications <laughs> yeah. then it wants to tell you oh there's actually only one game in between the one goal in between it you, the extreme lengths and then you go through now the nature of what me and Jalen do at work we've got wires and um yeah. things on the flash wires screens everywhere news. Absolutely. It's insane, isn't it? And I only learned how to turn the hide scores feature off a few months ago at the NHL Game Centre. I actually had strips of paper that I used to stick (laughs) on my laptop so that when I opened it and I knew if I pressed a button in the middle and I had the little arrow drawn on the piece of paper, then it would load it. And if I didn't move the page up or down, I wouldn't see the score. I didn't know that you could hide it. So I've got a very similar one to this, which is where if I don't get the chance to watch the game, because every now and again, there's a game where I just think, I have not got the time in in my day today to take three hours out and watch this. So I'll watch the little uh, game in six uh, things that a lot of teams put out. I'm assuming every team does it, but I know Toronto does it. But anyway, um, and I've... I got to the point where I realized that they, particularly in Toronto, they would feature whoever had won 
on the screen. So on the like the <laughs> caption of the game in six you was just spoiled a, it for everyone. Exactly. I yeah. have because there will be a winning shot of Jake Gardner with his like stick in the air like this going, yeah. And as soon as you look at that, although they don't give away the score or anything, you know, the Leafs have won. Or if they lost, it's a picture of Freddie Anderson like trying to make a save and it's and then you know, you know they've lost. So it got to the point where even to watch a game in six, I would squint. So I would find it on Facebook or on wherever I was getting it from, and I would be squinting so that I couldn't make out who the players were on the picture so I could watch the game in six without it being a plot spoiler. The lengths that you go to to avoid the score, I would love to hear some of those because I reckon there are so many ways of doing it Uh, and some that I've never even thought of and we probably could learn from people out there as well. Well, The lowest point I think I had... It was last season. I was actually on a date. Um, and, like, we'd been out with friends, so it yeah. was reasonably late, and there was a game starting. It might have been one of the playoff games. And so I was, like, chatting away, but I had my phone on my knee. Yeah. The game playing. Ah, oh, so, Obviously, it no. didn't work out. But, that, no um, way. No <laughs> way. <laughs> I mean, he, and the, th- the thing was, he was a football fan, so like, he just couldn't understand. But, yeah, I was watching it on my knee. <laughs> I've got I I've got one more which we'll get on this and then we should move on to some other topics but um and I've actually never I've never told this person that they ruined this for me so I don't know and there's a good chance that they'll hear this because it's my dad so I would imagine he will listen to this um but when uh, Toronto were in the playoffs uh not this year the year before to get to the playoffs they had to what was it this year I can't remember anyway um they had to beat Pittsburgh to get into the playoffs and mm-hmm. it was a game I think it was like two games out before the end and if they beat Pittsburgh they got to the playoffs and uh, I was watching it and I was watching the game and it was a one Sunday morning or something like that and uh, my dad who was away at the time texted me and he just said oh my days I can't believe the Leafs beat Pittsburgh no that's <laughs> awful and he, I'm, he did not mean to do it I have never told him that he ruined it so much so. And I was in my head, I was so annoyed that I just blanked that it ever happened. And I carried on watching it. And it was the game where they were like 4-1 down with something like three minutes to go. So I'm watching this and I'm going, is he joking? Like, is this seriously going to happen? And I'm watching it. And then because there's all these people around me, I'm going, when they score, I'm getting excited and I'm trying to pretend that this is really exciting. But I knew that they'd won it. Oh, hours before it happened oh. and it was excruciating. So now I just switched my phone off entirely. So you I have go, to, don't you? Because yeah. then there are always the annoying people where if you put something on social media yeah. because you have watched it, then people get annoyed at you for the spoilers. No, just stay yeah. off. Yeah. We've all got our ways. Um, yeah. Get in touch with us though. Tell us, um, drop us an email. Claire, you've got the email address, haven't you? Yeah, I probably haven't. It's pretty simple actually. It's nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com and we're on Twitter as well. We're at nhlfansfromafar for yeah. Neilf. And get in contact with us. So uh, myself and Claire, as we said at the beginning, are going to be doing this hopefully each week and we're going to invite you guys in as well to come and um, help do this with us and co-host with us and kind of expand our knowledge of the NHL. And we've got Steve... Uh, Stephen, sorry, or do you mind Steve? Stephen, are you Either's Steve? fine. Either? All right, Steve Stephen um, is here and uh, he's a Colorado Colorado Avalanche fan. You know what? One of the um, group of people that I'd love to hear from mm. are Golden Knights fans. Yeah. Because I want to know, are they actually disgruntled, disgruntled fans who've given up on, you know, uh, an NHL team which just were wishy-washy for years? Well, you or- mean like the players? 
Like ba- that's you're basically describing the Golden Knights players. We were a group of disgruntled NHL or, players who were cast away by their original club. Well, or are they actually fans who are new to the sport? They're very fresh faced. They're green yeah. and they're newly addicted. You know, I'm I'm really interested to know who are the people who are sat at home buying all the gear, going to watch the games and stuff. So yeah. if you are a, a Golden Knights fan. Um, then definitely I would love to hear from you and what your story is. I don't know what you think about this, Stephen, as well. I It was very interesting. That, I mean, the Vegas story, I mean, if you're a fan of the NHL, you know what happened with Vegas. We won't go over it, but the fact that they just unbelievably well and got to the, the Stanley Cup final was unthinkable. I found it really fascinating, the NHL's reaction and fans' reaction of other clubs to Vegas, because initially it was like, Oh, they'll never sell any season tickets. Yeah, exactly. And oh, who who wants to play hockey in the desert and all of this kind of mm. stuff? And then it was the whole thing of the joke of, oh, they're just a group of like misfit hockey players who nobody wanted. And then they started winning and then they started playing really well. And then everyone was like, ah, oh, that's great. That's great. But Easy it'll division. all come crashing down soon and it'll all mess up and LA aren't as good and San Jose are having a bad year, whatever. And everybody was making excuses. But as the year went on, you had to start, you couldn't keep making excuses for the fact that they weren't just beating teams, they were thrashing them. And yet fans of other clubs seem to be a little bit kind of like, we don't know whether we can like them because do they deserve this? Like, are they, they haven't supported a club long enough to get this amount of success. No, it was, I mean, it's a very difficult one. I mean, as you just kind of described how it was, I mean, sitting here as an Avalanche fan, you think to yourself, well, if they can do that, why can't why can't the Avalanche do it? Why can't anyone else why do it? Why can't the Maple Leafs yeah, do it? No, and this is, exactly, this is exactly it. You've, and the, but they put together a nucleus of players, and I think you know everyone thought they were going to be the laughing stock. Yeah. It was like poke fun at them for that. But it wasn't until later on you started looking at that draft and actually having a bit of respect for the decisions they made they put a tremendous coach in charge of the team. And that was one of the things that I think everyone knew that they would have. They would have excellent net minding and they would have a good coach. But everyone was kind of worried about where the goals were going to come from. That's yeah. what they didn't know. And that tends to be the case for expansion teams as a whole. But when you look at that, you do look on with a certain amount of envy because you <laughs> do think then, well, you know, your own team should be able to look at these players. Why didn't they, why didn't they pick up these players? Why didn't they see how well these players were going to do? Why didn't they think about different personnel decisions that could have elevated our team over the last two or three years? And yeah, and I suppose in a way, what it's done, though, is given fans of other teams the thought process of, well, if Vegas can do it, Mm. then so can we. But the trouble is as well, it just, you, things have to be the right way for that scenario to happen. You do, you put that Vegas team out there another 100 times. It's it's not going to happen. Did it, they just get lucky? No. Did they just get lucky? Because no. William Carlson, no way anyone is saying that he scores 43 goals at the beginning of last season. No, you, you can't expect him to score 43 goals. But the thing is, you could see him maybe scoring 20. Hmm. But the thing, a lot of players elevated themselves because they did play very much with a chip on their shoulder. And that's what you do. When you're cast away from somewhere else, you're like, I want to prove that team wrong, that they should never have left me unprotected to be drafted. Mm. And that's what you have. And if you have a locker room of those guys, and expansion teams in the past have had a little bit of success when they have good coaching and when they have an excellent netminder, 
You take a team like the Florida Panthers, they come into an existence in 93-94. They win the Stanley Cup Finals two years later because they had John Van Beeswick in net, who was an, an all-pro goalie. He backed up Mike Richter for the Rangers for the Stanley Cup. And they then had good coaching. And that's exactly what they looked at from a Vegas point of view. They looked at players that would mesh well. You may maybe play like a system. But the goals were what I don't think people saw coming. I think that's where you know guys had career years and were able to do it. But I think, yes, other teams did have down years around them. But there was still a hell of a lot of talent in that, even in a Western Conference, without even thinking about what they could maybe do against teams out in the East. I mean, Vegas, for me, were a team that... I felt like they would beat a couple of teams in the standings. I actually had them getting more points than Colorado, which I did get that right, <laughs> but not to that yeah, extent. Yeah. But I did kind. Of, that was one of the teams I thought, okay, yeah, they could get more points than Colorado because they do have more talent on that roster yeah. potentially. But I think most people thought they were going to be the 26th, 27th, maybe 28th best team in the NHL. But I do think a lot of fans looking at that, and I think the other argument you do get from fans is that, oh, well, they had a preferential expansion draft. They, they had it better than everyone else. And I think that's another thing that you will hear people turn around and say. But I think the, the situation was just perfect for them. And I think, you know, for me, in terms of whether or not they would have fans, I think that's going to be still the interesting thing for me five, ten years down the line when the novelty's maybe worn off, mm. maybe when they've hit, like, hard times. I mean, we, I, I would still expect them to be a very good team this season. But well, can they maintain they're actually, that? You know, you look at some of the, the names that are being thrown in the hat for best team. Vegas are there, San Jose. You know, there's talk of them having the best blue line in the league. You've got Caps, Leafs, Nashville, Winnipeg. I mean, it's amazing that Vegas are still being thrown in, you know, their name's still in the hat. So but they've speak. added. I mean, they, yeah. they, they've added. They yeah. lost James Neal, which was huge to Calgary. But then, to be fair, they've gone out and they've gone, well, we, we'll get Paul Stasny and we'll also get Max Pacioretty as well. And then you yeah. start to look at them and you go... Oh, well, you, you you might be better. But, and this is interesting, and I don't know the answer to this, and I think this is a, the thing that we will find out about Vegas this year. Will they have lost that kind of, you know, uh, chip on their shoulder thing? Because Max Pacioretty's not going to have that. No. Paul Stasny's not going to have that. William no. Carlson's not got a chip on his shoulder. He's just got a lot more dollars in his pocket. Like, uh, they're, they're not going to have that this year. And also, teams are going to expect them to come out and be a tough team to play. One of the big things that teams face is once they've had the surprise element is yeah. then trying to maintain that. I mean, people turn around and say, like, when you win, when you win a Stanley Cup and an NBA Finals or whatever, is that it's one thing to get to that and win that. But then all of a sudden, the following season, teams are going to raise their game because they're going against the champs. And that's something that Washington's going to have to face this season, mm. which is going to be very interesting for them because I think they overachieved last year and Vegas obviously certainly overachieved. And with Vegas now having that, teams now going into that building, you know, it, they've got one of the best presentations, don't get me wrong. And I think that, again, I think, you know, a lot of teams took one look at that. And I, and I don't want players saying, oh, no, no, well, you know, I, we were prepared for that. But it was something very different that we hadn't really seen from teams before, having that kind of, you know, the pregame ceremonies. For me, I think that just kind of got everyone behind it. And, of course, the other thing you want to say about Vegas, you want to look at it from you know, what the city had to face going into that season. You know, it brought everyone closer together. I just think, as I said, it goes back to, I think the situation was completely right. Yes, I think you will have some drop-off this season, but it's a matter of how much that drop-off is. And for me, I think they're going to be, they'll be a playoff team, but I think they might get upset in the playoffs quite early on. 
And I think that's when then like, people might turn around and say, oh, well, okay, what well, the bubbles all burst. And let's not forget, they've got a netminder in Marc-Andre Fleury that really didn't play well in the Stanley Cup finals. And for anyone who's followed Fleury's career, he blows up in playoff series. He has never really won the true big one. And that's what I've always said against the guy. He's a tremendous regular season netminder, but put him in a do-or-die situation. Do I want him starting a Stanley Cup Finals? Do I want him starting a Game 7 in a playoff series? No, I don't. I will pick about 10 goalies above him before I even look at Fleury. You see, you mentioned there about the bubble bursting. And for me, I've written on my list here about Edmonton. Um, and <laughs> what what <laughs> this what the season really means, you know, Conor McDavid, phenomenal holding the weight really of Oilers. What do we? What is expectations really are on Edmonton Oilers this year? Because they will have that chip on their shoulder, thinking we well we were robbed or it just didn't work out. Edmonton have always got a chip on their shoulder, though, haven't they? Aren't they just that team now? Haven't they become that team that have always got, oh, well, we were done in this draft and, oh, well, we're done in... It's going to be interesting to see, obviously, how they rebound because, I mean, I, I, as a, an analyst, I mean, I had them down as, as one of the teams to look at last season and now I'm not that high on them this season. I think, again, they're in a very, very difficult conference and I think that's where they're going to find it very, very tough to start off with to even try and come through the conference. If they get through that... You have a guy like McDavid, but it's when you look at the supporting cast, I just don't think they really have that. They don't have the pieces around him to be able to necessarily contend, be a team that can go out there and, and win a cup. I mean, Cam Talbot came in. He was a guy that backed up Henry Lundqvist for the Rangers. Everyone thought he should be a number one. But for me, he's been he's been very, very up, up and down for them. That's been very, very difficult as well. I, I just think that they've got to make some moves to try and put better players around McDavid. And maybe this is kind of like when Lemieux first started his career in Pittsburgh. He was like the main guy there. They didn't really have much talent around him. And they gradually added pieces to him and then allowed them to win Stanley Cups in, in 91 and 92. I'm not, I'm not saying that's what Edmonton are going to do, and, but I think it will be a sad story if we look back on this when McDavid finished his career and to turn around and say, well, he could be the greatest player to have never won the Stanley Cup. You know, that goat's got away from Ovechkin now. You could kind of look at McDavid now as the guy, you've got to win a Stanley Cup to, to fulfil your legacy. And at the moment, you cannot see that happening in the very near future. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? Because he got 41, 41 goals last season. It's over 100 points, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. What did Ovechkin get? He got 49 last year, didn't he? He did, yes, 40, he did. 46, 49. He's always tinkering around that. But, you know, I don't know. Could you look at the move that um, John Tavares has done um, from yeah. Islanders to Maple Leafs. He's clearly putting his um, eggs in one basket and saying this could be the way that I get my Stanley Cup win. Well, that's a good point. And do you think Connor McDavid sees out his entire career at Edmonton? Mm. Interesting. What do you think? Yeah. Like I don't know. I I I look at it and I think I look down that roster. I'm kind of looking at their their cap friendly page at the moment, and you know they've got they've got zero cap space. Yeah. Okay. Zero cap space. They've got Connor McDavid, obviously signed to twelve and a half million. If ever there was somebody you could say is value for money at twelve and a half million, he is it. How like, long is his contract for? Uh, it goes on to like t- uh, twenty twenty. Four, 25 okay. so so you know they have got him under contract for a long time doesn't mm. mean to say he won't be moved but i mean 
would you ever be the GM that traded Conor McDavid? But then the same, you could say the same about Gretzky. You know, if you, if Gretzky is moved, I mean, I know the reasons behind the reason why Gretzky was moved, but then for me, everyone is in play. Mm. And that's the way you have to look at it. So McDavid, for me, I think when you get to the latter stage, you care like a lot of the, the big time players across sports in general, they do look at getting the ring, get, get the cup to try to, basically for define their legacy because we look back and go okay well yeah you was the greatest player or one of the great players to never win the big one and players don't want that they don't they don't want that around their look neck. at Ovechkin this summer I yeah. mean that that if any if you ever needed somebody to prove the fact that that meant something I mean he doesn't need money he doesn't need fame and success in hockey he's got all of that the thing he didn't have was that Stanley Cup and look at the celebrations this year that he's done but he can't remember the summer. No, I bet he can't. <laughs> but I bet he can remember winning the Stanley Cup last year. I bet that was his last memory. <laughs> Since then, I'm fascinated to see what they'll be like this year. I mean, we'll come out there. We'll talk about Tom Wilson in a bit because we should. Um, but I think as a whole, who were you rooting for in the final last year? Because uh, both of you, because I found this fascinating again because it was a really difficult one because you had like the new boys, no, the wasn't. Vegas. Did you not think? Go. I just, I cannot stand to Vetchen. I just can't. What's stand. wrong with him? And also, Caps have stolen um, the hearts of Toronto fans a few times. Yeah. So I was, I wanted the underdog. I wanted Vegas to win. And also, I'd done really well on my um, uh, my playoff fantasy thing. All oh, right, okay. And I was, and I needed Vegas to win <laughs> to, to like actually really nail it. I got in the top like two hundred or something. Really, I needed that to win. But you say that you describe Vegas as the underdog, and this is what I mean about earlier. We kept talking about them as, ah, oh, when will the wheels fall off and everything like that. Mm. Were they the underdogs going into the Stanley Cup final? Nobody thought they were ever going to get to the Stanley Cup final. But in the playoffs, and as they went through the playoffs, I mean, they beat the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, the Winnipeg Jets were like. To be honest, I think Winnipeg last year over the whole season were probably the best, if not one of the best teams that I've seen. They were just incredible as a whole team. And Vegas just brushed them aside. Surely they were the favourites getting into the final. Yeah, but the, I think that I like about ice hockey is unlike, say, the popular sports are available, such as the <laughs> Premier League, and you often see the same people winning. You know, yeah. we had Leicester a couple of years ago, a few years ago, it's probably more than two years ago, I'm really old now. But, <laughs> um, you know, and that kind of shook things up a bit. Yeah. But I like with ice hockey that you very rarely see the same teams doing the same thing. And here, this was a classic example where the league was really shaken and nobody predicted this. I mean, if anybody had actually put money on that they make it to the final I wonder how much they clawed in at the bookies there was I'm sure there was a yeah. story I think there was a story of something like that somebody did yeah, put money was, on them to get it, it. It, was, it was like those Leicester City odds it was crazy odds right, crazy, so we'll crazy put odds. Ottawa to uh... <laughs> <laughs> no you don't want to waste what your money I, how much would that be <laughs> oh man I th I'm pretty a sure that the put a quid on it the bookies would just if the bookies were in the know they'd just look at you and go yeah I'll just take your final back just don't <laughs> don't do that to yourself um I don't know, what should we talk about next? I kind of want to talk about, well, I want to talk about Toronto because, well, we've got two Maple Leaf fans in here. It's going to be unbearable for Stephen when we do talk about it. Yeah, well, what I was going to say was uh, on the way, we're going to talk about Carlson switching time zones, um, 10 carat rings, and whether having a captain really matters. But I understand that you have a little wrap of some important news that people 
might just want to hear. Okay, so I thought one a nice thing that we could do on the podcast each week would just do a little kind of 60 seconds of news. We might do it at the start of each podcast um, as we go week to week. I tried to write 60 seconds of news, but obviously... Just really um, slow. A lot has happened, um, and there's quite a lot in here. Oh, no, quite the opposite. Oh, like, okay. I'm struggling, like, because obviously a lot has happened over the summer, <laughs> and maybe you're not like me. Maybe you've you've gone hockey cold turkey and you've just gone do you know what my team ended the playoffs and then i've switched my phone off and i don't look at hockey stuff and now it's a new season i want to know what's going on so this is what that is for so i have been refreshing my twitter and looking at nhl.com over the summer so you don't have to okay i'm going to attempt this in 60 seconds uh it will take me longer Although the ice had melted, that didn't stop teams improving or indeed losing key parts of their roster. A rebuild is taking place in Ottawa, where their superstar defenseman Eric Carlson left for warmer climates of San Jose. And Mike Hoffman, who also ended things on a sour note with the Sens, got traded to San Jose, then traded minutes later back to the East Coast to Florida for more than the original trade. This is just one of the many issues facing the Sens over the summer, and owner Eugene Melnick thought it would be a good idea to release a cringy, don't worry, we have a plan video, which leaves most Sens fans feeling they don't have a plan. Exciting times in Vegas, as we've been talking about. They've already added Montreal's Max Pacioretty after losing their own goal-scoring machine, James Neal, to Calgary. Kolvachuk returns to attempt to make the LA Kings great again. Dallas signed their own soon-to-be free agent. Oh, there's the music ending. Well, that was abrupt. Come on, uh, the Dallas Stars signed their own soon-to-be free agent, Tyler Sagan, to a cool $9.8 million, which will keep that terrifying top line of Ben, Radulov and Sagan together for many more years to come. Meanwhile, it was all change on the island. New GM, president and head of everything anti-facial hair, Lou Lamorello, headed to the West Coast to try and keep their captain and star sentiment and now free agent John Tavares. But as any hockey fan might have heard by now, John Tavares is a Leaf and he sent out a picture of him in Maple Leaf PJs and signed a seven-year deal with the Leafs worth $11 million a year. A bargain in my biased opinion. But don't worry, Islanders fans. You got Matt Martin and Leo Komarov back in return. So that's good news for you guys. And then we're going to go on to talk about this. Tom Wilson has decided the best way to repay his Stanley Cup winning club for a rather expensive 5.1 and all of the sixes million dollar contract was to flatten Blues Oscar Sundquist and almost certainly get a suspension, which will surely be announced probably by the time you're listening to this podcast. And has anyone checked if Ovechkin and the rest of the Capitals have actually sobered up yet? Because it looks like they had the celebrations of all celebrations when they finally won that cup. Woo! That is your 60 second news in about three and a half minutes. <laughs> there you go. I will actually there write is, 60 seconds yeah, next but week. Do you know what? It's, it's, you've had six months to condense into Ooh. 60 seconds. That's, that, no one's going to do that. I tell you what. There you go. First take, everyone, as well. First take on that. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Great. Definitely. Great. Definitely so just saying about caps, I mentioned about these 10 carat rings. Did you see them? They were released on social media. They they genuinely look like the worst things I've ever seen. Sorry, always, what is this? I don't know what is it. The Stanley what? Cup rings, rings. Yeah. right? They are oh, okay. seriously blinged up. Right. 10.2 carats. <laughs> I mean, I know that fans fans like to collect these, don't they? I just think they look vile. 
and I, I don't use that word lightly. They look horrific. You'd you wear don't... one though. No, I wouldn't. If you no. were, if you worked for a team, fingers would be so heavy. If you <laughs> dragging them, <laughs> back to like Sidney Crosby, he's just like trying to walk through the streets with like knuckles dragging along the floor. Who if... wears them? But what do you... they do with them? People pundits wear them. Yeah. No! Pundits who are former Stanley Cup players definitely wear them. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. We shouldn't need to. We should know who you are. They look <laughs> horrific. <laughs> but you can't say that because there's like fourth line centres on like the Pittsburgh Penguins for the last few years. You go, I literally could walk past me now and I wouldn't know who he was. <laughs> but if he's wearing that massive ring... You can, you, you can buy them as fans, though. I've seen fans buy them but, for many but, years so then you could just pretend but you wouldn't do that you wouldn't think he would say he'd be like who'd you steal that on <laughs> yeah you would oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah Ron Hainsey what are you doing with that what well, are you doing with that I, uh, I recommend people go and check that out because yeah. oh, my goodness me we've got to mention Eric Carlson then oh I, I love mean, this one of the biggest things to happen over the season and what a what a year that Eric Carlson had last year yeah so many things emotionally on the ice yeah um did he did he go to the right place is what I was wondering it's only a year deal as it stands but do we do we think I mean, if you're a San Jose Sharks fan right now you'd be thinking we have got some absolute badass lines going on here they're D I mean, their deed is scary. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, San Jose are one of those teams that have put all their eggs in their basket. This yeah, was like yeah, the, this yeah. was like the final piece of the puzzle for them. Mm. They've been to a couple of conference well, after finals. they missed out on Tavares. Well, yeah. just want to put that in. Well, yeah, but I, I think Carlson will have a bigger impact um, for San Jose. We're talking about yeah, not the Leafs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they've been to a couple of conference finals. They've been to a Stanley Cup final. So this was kind of like. That's it. Now we, we are going to go and get this cup, yeah. and I think it's the right move for them. I'm still a bit surprised that Colson chose this as his destination. I thought he would have maybe gone elsewhere, and I'm still not convinced that he's actually going to resign in San Jose. I mean, again, this could be one of those things that could drag along through the, through the course of the season about whether or not he will sign, hmm. and then he could then basically walk away. I don't think San Jose gave up that much. I think other teams offered more. Yeah. I do think that, and yeah. they were turned down. But I think, you know, again, Ottawa being the shrewd business team that they <laughs> are. <laughs> well, Ottawa needed the picks, didn't they? That's Well, this is it. So, I What think... did they get in return? Just well, they... remind people. Oh, they've got, little... you know, a few, they got a few little pieces. They got a, a couple of picks. I think if San Jose, I think if he signs an extension, they get another pick hmm. as well. So I think they're maybe thinking, oh, hopefully he will re-sign. Because I think those picks will be valuable again, because that's what they're, ultimately going to look at San Jose will have the flexibility to be able to sign Eric Carlson but then so will other teams as well but I think what's annoyed me about the whole Eric Carlson thing is how long this dragged on it was it it dragged on for months and every time you read something another team was involved yeah it what it was it was pretty much you could it was easier to name the teams that weren't linked with Carlson, and it was to name the teams that were linked with him. Yeah, because it's interesting, isn't it? Because Leafs have got the situation at the moment with William Nylander, and although there aren't necessarily rumours of other teams necessarily interested, it does make you think, what is it like for the players in this situation? I mean, William Nylander's just chilling out in Sweden, isn't yeah. he? He's just hanging out. He's not not been to practice. No. He's just having a massive holiday he's by the sound of things. He's for Reebok on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Um, but Cha-ching. you do wonder yeah. what 
is what it's like from the player and whether it's all just happening at a business level or actually are they playing the part of you know the the, the game of chess as as much as their agents it's a so I think, fascinating thing you know i think at the end of the day the players want certain destinations for for whatever reason mm. um the agents of course will also have in their mind of what where they want to see business and i think when you start being agents involved they will go back to their relationships with the teams and maybe some of their other clients and whether or not those negotiations have gone well. And that is that is where... So it's who you know. Yeah, I mean, well. I, I think it is in some respects. But I think, again, this is where you have to kind of get your agency right. Because if your agent hasn't, hasn't got a great relationship around the league for whatever reason, mm. having that kind of going to bat for you isn't always the best thing in the world because, you know, a player will sit there and say, well, you know, on X, Y, Z, but maybe things are being said that are not going to intend, not going to mean he is going to go there. And I think with, with, with Carlson, I think, you know, he's a, I think he's one of the, you know, the, the, the best faces of the league, you know, one of the most recognizable people, one of the, you know, Ottawa fans absolutely loved him. I think San Jose fans are going to fall in love with him mm. as well. Yeah, they are. Is that, he is a guy that I think, you know, is very, very hockey driven. I don't necessarily think he is driven necessarily from the financial side. I mean, of course, yeah, they are to a point, but I still think Eric Carlson's going to want the best possible scenario for him. And I think he's going to want success. And I think at the moment, San Jose give him maybe a, a one of the six teams in my mind that could lift the cup at the end of the year. So it's a great opportunity for him. And I think if he can put the contract side of it, to 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 bed for now and concentrate on just playing that's fine but I you see it all the time with players in their contract years they go one or two ways either they have a career year because they like they're anxious to get as much money as possible or it becomes a massive distraction and it also becomes a distraction for the team as well because they then have to start thinking about whether or not this guy is going to be part of that team going forward mm. and then you could end up getting this trigger scenario where say San Jose fall out of the gate and get off to a really slow start. They've got Carlson. All of a sudden, he's a guy that's going to be a free agent. They're not going to get anything back. You could then actually see Carlson then moved again just because they want something back for him because they just don't believe he's going to sign. But it's important to San Jose get off to a very good start. And watching their preseason game the other night, and one of the big issues they look like they've already got, against Vegas, they gave up three shorthanded goals. That they're fundamental issues. You you do tend to win games now by how you perform on special teams. Mm. A lot more goals are scored either on power plays than 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 anything else in terms of being able to get you those wins. Mm. Even strength goals now are, are just they're not gold dust, but teams thrive on those special team scenarios. And I think see for me, San Jose looked great. But one thing about Eric Carlson is he's one of the best defensemen in the league but he's not one of the best defenders in the league. He's very good at coming forward, but you've got to have somebody alongside him that's going to be willing to pick up the slack. And I think that could be one of San Jose's issues. And I think they could be very clever about how they put together their pairings coming into this season. The thing that baffled me about Carlson going to San Jose, and I, I slightly disagree with you about the the fit for San Jose. I think I'm, I wasn't surprised Eric Carlson went to San Jose because I think for some of the reasons you talked about in terms of San Jose is a good place to go 
to have your contract year because you haven't got the same intense media scrutiny that he would have had in Canada and anywhere on the East and in a bigger hockey market. And actually, he's going to a club like San Jose that's pretty well set this year. Like, as you say, they are going to make a push. They've gone all in and they've decided to go for it. The reason why I couldn't believe that the Ottawa Senators traded Carlson to San Jose is what they did to them or what San Jose did to them in the Mike Hoffman deal. I mean, how? You've got a guy, just to very quickly explain, you've got a guy in Mike Hoffman and Eric Carlson. Loads of stuff happened between them, which we're not going to go into, but, you know, search it online if you want to find out more about it. Massive falling out. Pretty much everyone decided that they're not going to be in the same roster this season. So we're going to move them. Mike Hoffman goes to San Jose. They trade him. And then minutes later, Doug Wilson of the San Jose Sharks trades him straight back to the East Coast, which is what the Ottawa Senators didn't want. And they get more in return than Ottawa gave to San Jose in the first place. And then only a few weeks later, so after making Ottawa look so stupid at that point, a few weeks later, they then hand over Eric Carlson for what is seen as a relatively small return. That's the bit I can't understand why Ottawa did it, but I can see why Eric Carlson thought, yeah, maybe San Jose is a good chance of getting a cup this year. Yeah, I mean, he would have obviously had a short list of teams that he would have wanted to be moved to. And I think, again, this is where it becomes very, very difficult to move players and move players of the, the caliber of Eric Carlson because at the end of the day he he will sit there and work out what he wants the team will try and obviously try and accommodate that as much as possible San Jose as I said I I'm concerned about the fit I can see it working but I'm I'm still not convinced about San Jose and I disagree about the whole the, the market side of thing as well in some respects is that we aren't like we were before where you had the massive media markets. I think now because of the way the game is, everywhere you're you're under the scrutiny now. It doesn't matter where you play, whether you play in New York, whether you play in Toronto, LA, or whether you play in supposed less markets such as Florida, San Jose, those types of places. If you are the caliber player that you are, you're still going to be under intense scrutiny to be able to perform straight away. I mean, as I said, the worst thing for me is if San Jose come out and they don't play well to start off with. And in pre-season, I'm not seeing things as they should be. Yeah, okay, pre-season isn't a, a great measuring stick sometimes. I mean, Vegas have, I think, won six of seven in pre-season, kind of setting the tone again coming out for their new season. But for me, they've got to get off to a good start more than maybe a lot of the other teams around because I think the wheels could come off of that very, very quickly. Mm. Well, let us know if you're a San Jose Sharks fan. Because yeah. uh, what are you thinking this year? Are you rubbing your hands with glee or thinking, oof, I hope this all works out? Well, that's what you've got to be. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? They have, as you said, they've put all their eggs in one basket and this is this is the year that mm. they are really, they are going for it. I wouldn't want to be a forward going up against that D though. Brett Burns, uh, Carlson, who's the other one as well? There's another one on there who's unbelievably good. And uh, yeah, scary, scary, scary D. should mention... Um, uh, it was announced uh, today, as we record this this podcast, that Joe Thornton said bye bye to his beard. <laughs> and I, what I loved, right? I, I, this is basically this whole podcast is just building up to the fact that you get to talk about Joe Thornton <laughs> losing his beard because this is all you care about in the summer. Go on, here's anyway, your moment. Go. I got confused because I thought it was Brent Burns who had shaved his beard off, and then I realised no, Brent Burns was shaving Joe Thornton's beard off. And then Joe Pavelski tweeted a picture of a plate of what was just beard 
nice. And it just—it was just a nice little moment that just, you know, these are the random things that you get from social media. And it's interesting with the the whole social media because some clubs really advise their um, players not to use social media. But mm. you know, obviously, I knew it was a bit of fun. I knew I needed to get out more this summer when uh, <laughs> one of the first things I was doing a few weeks ago was zooming in on the Leafs' first practice to see whether any of them were allowed. Well, to see whether any of them were allowed facial hair. <laughs> And I thought at that point, I thought, you know what? It's a beautiful sunny day. Get out of the house. Like you need a hobby in the summer because this is just too much. Um, As we're talking about them, I I feel like now you've talked about Joe Thornton's beard. It is now the time we can talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, (laughs) Seamless link. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And John Tavares, uh, or Tavares, however you're pronouncing it. He, let's do it from an NHL view of this whole thing first before we talk about the Leafs more generally, more specifically. As a as a free agency, this was one of the most interesting summers in the NHL because the way that John Tavares did his whole free agent thing was unprecedented in a way because it was so... Coming into this summer, we all knew he was the big free agent. He was the big fish to get. Everybody was talking about where is he going to go? Who's he going to end up with? And he, in the end, created his list. He went out to California or wherever it was, and he sat there and he got interviewed by all these different people. And he did the thing that NHL players never do, and that is leave their club, their home club, the club that has brought them up through the system and has had him as captain for years and years. He left and went somewhere else, not for the money, because it's been reported that San Jose we're going to pay him more. So he went there because he sees Toronto as a place where he thinks he can win a cup. Will that change potential moves in the future for the likes of Eric Carlson, who now has traded from Ottawa and other big free agents who we could be seeing next year? I think it's, I think we've seen it in other sports. And I think, you know, if you look at other sports in the way that certain star players have, have gone about things like that it's it's very similar to that and i think a lot of um islanders fans um feel very betrayed betrayed by it mm. because in their mind if Tavares had no intention of resigning for the islanders that should have been sorted out way sooner and i think again you talk about carlson it's gonna be like a very interesting scenario with that one as well and i can understand that but I think, you know, I think Tavares went, uh, went about things in as professional manner as you can. And I think that's the thing is as well. And I think, you know, if you, if you think about it from a fan's point of view, I can understand it. But if you think about it from, if you take that fandom out of it and think about it as if what you would do. Yeah. He carried himself very, very professionally. Yeah. He went out and he, he got for him the best possible situation. He is a free agent and it's, you know, you don't want to compare it to kind of like other jobs, but if your contract comes to an end, you can go and work wherever you want. Why are we sitting there saying that because his contract's come to an end, he can't then choose where he wants to go and play? Of course he can. He has given all these years service to the Islanders, performed at an incredibly high level. So it wasn't as if he kind of like, you know, tanked at the end of it, didn't really care. He still went out there every single game as the Islanders' best player and gave it his all. And that's what he did. I think if you look at it from that point of view, that it was just, he was closing off that chapter of his career. Mm. That was it. And he wanted a new challenge. And there's nothing wrong with a player turning around and going, I want to be able to get a cup. I want to be able to do these things. This is what I want to be able to achieve going forward. Because you will look 
at other scenarios and think, well, that's a better fit for me. That might be a better fit for my family. There's all kinds of reasoning that goes into what decisions a player makes. And I think it's very easy sometimes for a fan to go, oh, he went there for the money and he's just like, and he should have done this and he should have done that. But that's not necessarily how a lot of sportsmen think. They do weigh up their options to try and get the best possible scenario for him. I don't think he could have handled it in any better way than he did. I am completely on board with everything he did. I think, you know, he's a class individual. I understand where the Islanders fans are coming from, but I don't think you can blame him at all. You know, what I I do wonder in these situations is how does this compare to other sports? You know, when you hear about these big moves in in Mm -hmm. football um, and there's two in and fro and they've been at a club for a long time um, and they're almost kind of just associated only with that club and then they move you see a lot with football players switching between Premier League going to Europe or America when it's the end of their career or whatever it, like is there is it a comparison you know the way that the agents work and negotiations or is ice hockey quite unique I, I just I don't know how it works in NFL or NBA or well, you know, baseball or anything I think you know it, it, I think it's it's kind of almost coming in line with how the sports are like in America I mean say if you want to compare it to another situation when you think about the, the LeBron James saga when he left Cleveland and went to Miami you know that could have that could have been done so much better. You you talk about like a classless act. That was that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. So yeah. it was completely yeah, the opposite yeah. of what Tavares did. I mean, yeah. for me, I know what fans are going to want to say. They'll talk when players leave. The word that will get thrown around is a mercenary. Mm. That's the thing that they'll turn around and say because you know they're only in it for the money. That is it. They don't want. But he's not. But he's like, not. That's, that's the thing. exactly you, it. You hear it, and I've heard Islanders fans go, "Oh, he just went for the paycheck." No, he didn't. No, he if he didn't. wanted to do that, he goes to San Jose and gets two million more a year. So, it's, what do you say if you're an Islanders fan? What What you if you were an Islanders fan right now? What well, would you be thinking? It's obviously difficult because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge Toronto Maple Leafs fan, so I can only see this the this Toronto uh, this Tavares thing as a, <laughs> as a huge benefit. Like I can't even get my words out when I'm talking about him. I'm so excited. <laughs> But to try and think of it as an Islanders fan, and it would it would be like, you know, Matthews in a few years' time, if we were awful, him deciding to go somewhere else. As, a, as an Islanders fan, you've got to look at it and you've got to think, OK, I'm devastated that he has decided to go, but look around at where your hockey team is right now. They are not going to win a cup this year, next year, probably not the year after. After that, maybe, because they've got some good young... I mean, Barzell's incredible. But they're not. Soften it. They're not. Hot people. But so that's the thing. You've got to weigh that side of your brain up with the one that's going, oh, JT, don't leave us. And you've hopefully got to try and meet somewhere in the middle. I mean, I can't... You see fans burning jerseys. I'm convinced that was one fan doing that and it did the rounds on social media. I don't <laughs> think there were many of them of doing it. As league fans. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I just think you've got to look at it and you've got to think, do you know what? This gives us an opportunity now as Islanders fans. We're going to get a new stadium in a few years. We've got an incredible talent in Matthew Barzell. Incredible talent. He could be amazing. And they now get to build a team around him and he could be an Islander for the next 10 years. Until his contract runs out. Um, <laughs> and then he goes but to... They don't wait again. No. They don't play that game again. <laughs> Who was his but, childhood team? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what pyjamas did he own yeah. as a kid? 
That'll be like the next question when you interview a player. <laughs> yeah, like, scrolling through yeah. their social media like, have you ever posted a picture of you in any NHL pyjamas? <laughs> no? Okay, great. Sign on the dotted line. But I think as an Islanders fan, one of the things that I would first of all do is put a lot of blame against the franchise because you, the franchise exactly. should be putting better talent around. Yeah. It goes back to what we were saying about you know, Colin McDavid is yeah. that the franchise should be putting better talent around him so that if McDavid does decide to, you know, leave the nest in a few years' time, then he's only going to leave it to go to a better scenario. I know Oilers fans aren't going to be happy Can with that. Can you imagine? But Can then, you imagine the day that that drops? It will, it will be one, one of the biggest moves that we have ever seen, and it will be somewhere, you know, post McDavid goes to Vegas. Jesus. On a weekend, yeah. On a weekend <laughs> stag do, maybe. They direct the hate mail to Jolom, not me. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm fully expecting a lot of this. Um Please but, defend yeah. yourself if you're a New York Islander fan. But I'm I'm saying, but if but okay, let's spin it round to a Toronto fan. If in five years time, all right, if in five years time Toronto have not won a Stanley Cup. We've missed out on the playoffs a couple of times. We still get beaten by Boston in round one. God damn it. If that continues for five years' time and then Matthews decides to go, I'm not blaming Matthews. I'm blaming whoever's in charge. Who has, who yeah. has, who has overseen this because they've got all of the pieces. And as you said, you've got to look at the Islanders and think, you know, you had the piece, you had Tavares, you had Barzell. Why were you not built around that enough to keep Tavares? Why is the hatred going to him? But the fans aren't rational. No, yeah. And that, that, I'm not being rational no, but in my yeah, argument. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, so if the fans aren't rational, that's not the way they look at it. But if you take a step back and think of it in a different way, that's actually where your anger should be should be at, yeah. not actually at the player itself. But I think it becomes so easy to have a go at the player and, and put all the blame on them. And as for the whole of this thing that seems to have taken off about you know burning jerseys and all stuff like that, it just needs to stop. It's They're really expensive ridiculous. as well. Yeah. Why are you doing it? <laughs> well, and not other, yeah, well, <laughs> they are really expensive. Well, they're really expensive if you buy them when you live not in North America yes, as definitely, well. Yeah. You have definitely. to pay tax. Well, and I'm packaging. I'm going to New York in November, and I can't wait to get a, a lovely welcome there. <laughs> like going around, Eggs. hopefully nobody listens to this podcast from uh, New York area and recognise because that would be. You'll be on a, you're going on a tour then, are you, to sit and look at the Islanders complex? If they had a proper stadium, <laughs> I would. No, I'm, oh I'm sorry, Islanders fans, I'm sorry. Goodness. You could get it me back when Toronto tank this year. Can I just um, mention something We're, before we move on from Toronto? Mm. One of the things that I was thinking, you know how it has been this way with Toronto that they don't have a captain. It's an yeah. active decision. And um, we've heard... Um, you know about Shea Weber being announced as captain um, at the Habs. Like, what what do people kind of think about whether having a captain, that one person, that kind of hierarchy, really matters? Um, and I was trying to work out whether other teams have a similar model to how Toronto do. Are there other teams that don't have captains, or is it just are they just kind of an anomaly? Uh, Vegas don't. Vegas, Vegas don't. don't they have well, like multiple they had they? like uh, yeah. multiple assistants yeah um that's very much because they wanted kind of like the team yeah. to feel to it yeah, yeah and that's what they wanted I mean I think for me a captain kind of means nothing I mean I know to certain franchises you're kind of like held it is like oh you, you're that it's kind of like almost like a a passing of a torch to the next great player or the next great face of that franchise mm. so i can understand it the way that some franchises do it but for me does it really make 
make any difference. No, I mean, as an Avalanche fan, I mean, Joe Sackett was, was captain for the, for the longest time. Um, and so I suppose you automatically think of, when you think of Joe Sackett, you think of him being a captain of the Avalanche. But yeah. do I really think it makes any difference? Is it really that important? I don't really think so. Do you know what? I've, just, I've literally just hit Google. Now, whether this is accurate, this is saying... Uh, a year ago, that there were six NHL teams without captains. Really? Nashville, Toronto, Carolina, Buffalo, Vegas and Arizona. Well, it's not a great list, to be on. There's still a hockey team <laughs> in Arizona. <laughs> it's a, it's hey. not an amazing list to be on. I know some Sabs fans. Uh, they <laughs> Hey, they are going to be good this year. But that's... I didn't know, actually, that there are six teams. Well, I'll have to go and double-check. That's, yeah. That's only one source. I Don't hold me to that. But how See, I knew Vegas. I knew Vegas yeah. hadn't. It uh, is interesting, though, because there's obviously been a lot of talk about this with the Leafs, and I don't quite understand why. I, I think it comes down to the fact that things are going well, so we do have to try and find something to talk about that could be seen as negative. But the thing about it is... If you make Matthews captain, which a lot of people want, and then there's a, almost an equal amount of people who think Tavares should be captain. Mm. But if you make Matthews captain, are you telling me that instantly the likes of Tavares, Hainsey, Marlowe, Riley, people, Kadri, players like that, senior players who've been around a lot longer than some of these new kids in mm. the team, are they just going to not speak up? Like, I just don't, I don't know how... I'm kind of with you on this one, I think, where I don't think it really matters. you can't have goaltenders um, as captains as well. That, that's an NHL rule, which I find uh, fascinating. They've got enough to think about, though, haven't they? Have you seen it? You're like, you watch, <laughs> if you watch a goaltender in an they're, NHL they're game... They're not leaders, are they? They're, they're not leaders, but also they, they live in their own little like weird world. Have you seen it like uh, before a game yeah. in an NHL game, you see Freddie Anderson or all of them, and they're just like, they're just standing at the side of the rink staring into space like with their eyes flickering left right left right left right I don't want him as my captain like he's got his own remind me that you're not going to do the interview with the goalie when we get them on I I love goalies I think they're brilliant but you wouldn't have them as a captain would you they can't do the kind of like the 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 big talk up the big kind of rallying call before the game because they've got to get in the zone and they've got to do their thing I think it's fascinating. Being I just in... think it's strange that there is yeah. an actual rule yeah, yeah, that yeah, is no, against strange, giving goalies the captain. But in answer to your question, no, I don't think it doesn't matter. Right, no. thanks I don't very think much. It then. I don't okay, think that's the end of that then. It, but they're going to make a thing of it in Toronto because it hasn't happened for so long, and the longer it goes on, the bigger event it will be. But personally, I think it's more of a kind of ceremonial thing that will just sell a load more jerseys, won't it? Mm. Yeah. Well, there's a big topic on everyone's uh, lips at the moment. And first it was Max Domi. Now it's Tom Wilson. And these ideas of player safety and things happening in pre-season, how big a deal does it matter? Let's just have a quick listen. This is TSN senior reporter. Uh, it's Frank Saravelli. And uh, he's given his thoughts on what happened with Tom Wilson uh, on the ice uh, the other day. We'll fill you in a second, but just have a listen to this. I expect Tom Wilson to have the best view of the Washington Capitals Stanley Cup banner as it goes to the rafters from the press box, but 
That's the same view that he should have until late October because Tom Wilson shouldn't be on the ice for the first 10 games of the season. The fact that he survived only 15 games since his last suspension, the final 12 postseason games and three preseason games after shattering someone's jaw to be back in the same position with a textbook illegal check to the head. There's two things that make a textbook, Derek. One is the fact that the head was the initial point and main point of contact here. And two was that this was totally avoidable. You see Tom Wilson line up Sunquist in this hit here. He had two to three strides to deliver a powerful and clean body check in the middle of the ice using his shoulder to Sunquist's shoulder. He doesn't do that and the fact that the NHL has decided to bring in Tom Wilson and offer an in-person hearing with the ability to suspend six games or more, the fact that Tom Wilson hasn't gotten it so far and now is making $31 million, perhaps a lengthy suspension in addition to a bigger hit to his wallet this time maybe just maybe it'll get him to learn well that is frank saravelli he's not holding back is he he's talking to uh tsn uh just given that report there he's talking about tom wilson of washington caps and he's fresh off this 31 million deal and he has the open ice hit uh with st louis blues oscar sunquist um, I mean, the video's been doing the rounds. Uh, by the time we uh, have put this podcast out, I think that the result probably uh, will be out in the ether for you to digest. I mean, it looks like there's an injury involved. He's got a history here of, uh, you know, bad reputation. The definition of uh, what is an illegal check to the head. I mean, you must have seen it, Stephen. Do you think mm. that he's in trouble at this stage? He's been suspended three times in the last 12 months, for goodness sake. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that I tweeted out straight away was that suspensions mean nothing to him. And I think that's that's the first thing you can say. I mean, it's not a first-time offence. Um, you know, a lot of people have issue with him because of what he actually does in the ice. I think the word I can use with, with him is he's reckless. He is incredibly reckless. I don't think necessarily obviously he sets out to like hurt another player but he the way he plays the game is very reckless and it puts other players in danger we are not talking about the nhl as it was even 15 years ago we're not talking about these kind of hits in open ice being okay now we are trying to get a much safer product out there we want the best possible players out there and that's going to be a part of seeing the NHL grow. What we don't want to see is these kind of hits that put players on the sidelines. I mean, when you think about the one in the playoffs last year, I mean, that was horrific. And So he for, bust someone's jaw, didn't he? Yeah, so he, yeah, well, he basically shattered the guy's jaw. Mm. It was, I mean, it was a, a reckless hit, incredibly dangerous. He left his feet. I think the thing that was quite shocking, because I, I played the clip, I went on the YouTube and I looked at that clip and it's only about a minute 15 clip. And I must have watched it about 10, 15 times going yep. back over, slowing it mm. down. Mm. And clearly Oscar Sundquist doesn't see him coming. No. So he doesn't get that chance to kind of either back out or go for it. That That's the most shocking part, I think. And also the fact that this is the pre-season. <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you doing checks like that in the pre-season is it necessary because you know we've, I've mentioned Max Domi there he's got five game suspension but they don't get paid for pre-season games he's still practicing does does it even make a difference when these suspensions kick in at this time of the year but they the players don't switch off players don't 
really tell the difference between pre-season and regular season. I mean, a guy like Tom Wilson or any of the other players out there will just go out and play the game at the same speed. The only difference is, is that they may not play as many minutes in those pre-season games or they might not play every game. Mm. But in terms of what they do out on the ice, they will do exactly what they would do in the regular season. Yeah, okay, the playoffs is even more intensity. That's what you would expect. But I think... The fact that Guy didn't see it, and I think that the comments I'm seeing more from the Washington side, which are a little bit disturbing, of, well, you know, you should know that Tom Wilson's out there. You should know that this could potentially happen. happen. Mm. I think, again, those kind of comments are quite reckless. Mm. I think now you should start to see comments come out from the Washington side of, yeah, you know, we, we realise there's an issue here. We, we need to kind of stop this. All they're turning around and saying is he's being very politically correct about it and saying... Well, of course, we want Tom Wilson out there on the ice for us. We don't want him up in the stands. He doesn't help us being in the stands. But I just think that they are allowing a guy to play a game in the way that it's now not supposed to be played. I mean, again, if you had these hits 15 years ago, they were legal hits. Yeah, you cringed a bit when you saw the hit, but they were legal. These are now illegal hits. It's not... You know, as I said, I don't I don't want to sit here and say that, that Tom Wilson is trying to deliberately hurt another player. I don't think he is. I just think that he is reckless in what he's doing in terms of how he is checking other players. And I think, you know, we are at a point now where this is now the fourth time that he could be suspended because he he should get suspended. Mm. But well, I don't think the suspensions are long enough because they're not as, they're not a deterrent to. Well, him. You, you heard Frank there saying that it should be a 10 game suspension. Absolutely. What are the chances a player safety going to be that tough, do you think? Well, I don't I, know what their reputation is. It's well, it's mixed, isn't it? It's, Throw it's, a six to start. Well, the, and the fine that, doesn't work. That's exactly it. The, the 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 department of player safety is you kind of look at it and you think you understand the way they're going to go mm. and then it's as if they just you know conjure up a number uh, take away five and add two and that's yeah. what you're then left with because there is no rule book that they work towards it seems to say well okay well this is this this is that and my personal opinion is and, I, and i'll say this especially when it comes to what wilson did in the playoffs is that wilson should have sat out as long as what he did to the other guy that's a really interesting theory, and I've heard that a couple of times. Because yeah, they, that's the way it should be. Because I mean, you you have a the, the guy for Pittsburgh that got hurt. I can't remember his name off the top of my head at the moment. Um, literally had his jaw shattered. Mm. Now, mm. The, and Wilson left his feet. Yeah, and that's a no no. Yeah. So I I think you know if you're gonna play if you're gonna go down that route you know suspending for ten games, what's ten games gonna matter in October? Well, that's that's the argument, though, because I would say 10 games in October isn't enough for that. No. I mean, it, it seems ridiculous to say 10 games is enough. OK, 10 games leading up to the playoffs. That's a lot. I mean, I feel for the, the player safety department, whatever they are, because that is an incredibly difficult job. You are judging things in a way that you're judging them on screens and all of this kind of stuff. And the worst people you can listen to are fans, and I'm sure they don't, because you know, take, I mean, we haven't talked about the Leafs for at least three minutes, so I need to bring it back to them. Um, you know, let's take Nazim Kadri in the playoffs last year against Boston. He did a, a terrible tackle against, was it Wingles or someone like that? Yeah. Um, and he did. I think he might have left his feet or something like that anyway. Bad, bad, bad challenge. And now when I look back at it and I think, yeah, he deserves suspension. He got quite a tough suspension in the playoffs because they work yeah. out that every playoff game suspension is worth like two or three in the regular mm. season. 
But at the time, I was going, this is outrageous. This is outrageous. He was defending a teammate, and I will do everything because I'm a fan to justify it. I feel sorry for Washington fans because they we should now be talking about what an amazing season they had last year. What an incredible summer they have had this summer of celebrating with that cup, seeing Ovechkin tour the world with the Stanley oh, Cup, taking God. a drink out of every single continent of the country. Sick of it. Most people love that. And yet here we are, opening night, we are talking about Tom Wilson doing something stupid again. But this is it. You, you, From a Washington fan's perspective, is that they will defend Tom Wilson to the hill. Yeah. And then the first thing, I mean, I, I've, I've had disagreements with Washington fans over this. And the first thing I'm telling them to say to me is, if that hit was on one of your players, you would be yeah. the first people up in arms about it. And you're sitting there blindly going, oh, well, it, it's a shoulder. It's, it's not that much. It's just one of those things that just happens. No, it's not one of those things that happens. And I think, you know, we're trying to learn our lesson in terms of how players are going to be post-hockey, in terms of you know where they're trying to deal with concussion, CTE, and all of that horrible mm. things that we're, yeah. we're currently dealing with right now, mm. is that we are trying to make this game a lot safer. So we're trying to stop these hits from happening. And if Tom Wilson will not abide by these rules, then I'm sorry, you sit him down. You, if, if Washington will not handle it themselves, because I think, you know, this is where the team should take responsibility for what he's doing. Then at the end of the day, I think, you know, the not only should, you know, the NHL get involved here, but I really think he, he needs to take some time away from the game and reassess things. Because I don't think that he right now is in the right shape to be able to play this game. I just don't think he has any idea what he's doing. Just to mention that Pittsburgh play you talked about the draw it was Zach Aston Reese. Oh yeah, and he's just yeah. been sent to the AHL. Pittsburgh have um, uh, released mm. him back to AHL. So to, fin- to finish and that yeah, story, yeah, and you know Wilson's now on a five million dollar contract, isn't he? On the top line in Washington, um, keeping not people not away from Kuznetsov and Dobkin. I just want to bring it in. to a lighter note as yeah, we draw to absolutely. an end. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I made you read the words, didn't I, at the start? Oh, yeah. The words that you struggled to say. Orange, furry, <laughs> oh, wobbly yes, I eyes. I love this. Right, you couldn't say the word I furry. It's no, brilliant. No. Maybe we should put the outtakes <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Um, Week one, and we've already got half an hour of outtakes of me gritty, trying to read things. Genu- like, gritty. I mean, what on earth happened with that? Everybody just sat around thinking, what is going on? Philadelphia Flyers unveiled their new mascot, and even newspapers in London... The London Sta- Evening Standard was writing about gritty. It just kind of exploded, <laughs> didn't it? Like, I just love the way that he kind of really used his hips. Like, I reckon that gritty could be on Strictly Come Dancing next year. Did you could see you that? imagine did... him with, with Anton? <laughs> did you see brilliant. that thread on Twitter where it was where they put gritty in, like, scenes of films? Like, and he was in loads of, like, the background of films. And there's just incredible, like, thread going on for hours and hours and hours of Gritty appearing on all these things. <laughs> and I just think this is such a great story for the NHL because the NHL seemingly just, you know, focuses on the game. It's all about the game. And that's great. Like, it's hockey, hockey, hockey. And that's what we love as fans. And that's oi, what diehard oi, fans, oi. that's what we love. Yeah, very good. Sorry, I thought I got something wrong and I was thinking, oi, oi, what have I done? Um, We love the game. However, 
the game needs to expand to be popular, and it's, it's what they're trying to do in China and moving uh, games to we Europe. We haven't even mentioned the global series. No, and there's all of that kind of stuff, and we'll maybe come on to that next week and a bit this week. But but things like this are wins for hockey because people, as you said, are talking about ice hockey, even if it is about a daft mascot, but people are talking about ice hockey all over the world, and that's got to be a good thing, surely. I think it is. I think you know, a great opportunity for the NHL here in terms of expanding their global reach is about showing a lighter side to the game. And I think with things like this, you can actually do it. And again, I think it increases the fan experience. Mm. You know, this is all very much generated by kids. I mean, they weren't—they put them in front of a focus group or something like yeah, that, they didn't, did, they? didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How he came out on top. That is some very worrying children there. Can you imagine those kids going home to their parents <laughs> and going, you never guess what we chose. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never go with this. It sounds like Boaty McBoatface, doesn't it? it? When the public were asked to name a boat, that was the name they came out with. But Philadelphia are great like that, though, aren't they? They take something like that and they go do you know what it's a bit weird and you may not like it but yeah there you go have it but i just gotta say the the nhl global series is you know rolling out at the moment they've just been in china they're now going to gothenburg wouldn't it be funny if william nylander turned up at the nhl global series no (laughs) no he is at home practicing his one-timers from austin imagine that in oilers press box or something (laughs) shush claire you're getting a complex then then the global series goes to helsinki um you you hardly hear a thing about this in terms of publicity i i really haven't and yet we hear more about the furry orange wobbly eyed thing that's going but that'll at least draw people to the game like at least they'll see that and they'll think oh that's okay but how serious are nhl official taking expanding the game internationally here's an opportunity there's a huge like uh you know pool of us in europe that love the game yet there's just Mm. so little publicity i mean we've got to mention very quickly that steven you're going to gothenburg aren't you what are you what are you hoping for just mention that briefly I mean, I'm I'm hoping for a good game. I mean, I, I went to the two games in Stockholm last year, Ottawa and and Colorado, and this time it's going to be New Jersey and Edmonton. So I think it, it's right at the start of the season. So it's going to be obviously interesting to see New Jersey were like an up and coming team last season. Edmonton, we've already talked a, a lot about already, but I I do agree, and I I suppose. What I got tired of hearing about straight after the Stockholm games, because I think they kind of announced then that they were going to then go back into Europe this season. And they took a break for a while, but they've now come back. It's like, oh, well, we should have games over here in the UK. And I'm, I'm sorry to say this to people, is that the NHL is not looking at the UK in terms of having NHL games over here. They are They are looking at other European nations. I mean, again, we've had, um, as you like say, Gothenburg and then Helsinki, is obviously they're looking at, and it wouldn't surprise me if they maybe went to the, uh, Prague or something like that where they've gone before. But I think they are serious about it, but serious about it possibly in the wrong way. Mm. I think they're like, well, yeah, we want to, we want to, you know, make this game very, very global. We've got players from all over the world. You know, I think they made a big deal last year. Um, I think the guy's name is, is like Nick Holden, the, the Australian guy who scored um, a goal in the NHL. And it's kind of like, well, that's the first Australian guy to score a goal in the NHL. But I don't think they know quite how to do things. And what I mean by that is I think, you know, we were talking about it kind of like before we come on air, is that the NHL gets marketing very, very wrong. I think that's the one thing where they fall down massively compared to how other sports market their stars, you know, make sure that they are the names in living rooms and things like that. It, it's one thing to give people access 
to be able to watch all the games. But you've got to get in new fans. And I think by, for me, is making the fan experience much better at the arena is all a part of that. And I think being able to grow the game that way. So yeah, maybe go out to these countries, but they're not going to take a chance on where they're not going to make money. I think this is where Bettman is, is kind of short-sighted. That's, he, yeah, the NHL commissioner, Gary yeah, Bettman. He, he doesn't look at it in that respect. He only wants to... Get, I mean, China's very much an interesting market for him, but he won't take the chance on, on going elsewhere. You're, you're not going to see them all of a sudden turn up down in Australia. He's, he's not going to go that far. But Vegas, you say the NHL kind of, you know, have, have struggled with their kind of expansion of the game, but Vegas, I mean, that's seemingly, okay, early stages, but a big success. Seattle looks like it's going to be a step closer. Into, in fact, today, again, as we're recording this podcast, they're kind of looking at 2020 as an expansion there, and the signs are good that that's going to be um, a success too. So they, they're growing the game possibly not on that international stage like the NFL have done so successfully with the London games. No, they're, they're looking at it. I mean, again, looking at it from a Vegas point of view, it was very interesting to see them go into a place that really didn't really have like a North American franchise. So trying to put one in there was was very, really interesting for them to be able to do it. They've had pre-season games there. I think Seattle's an interesting one because they have had a minor league team there mm. and it's done incredibly well. I've spoken to Brendan Witt, who used to play in the NHL, and he felt that Seattle was a great choice to have an NHL team because they cr- they crave hockey there. It's going to be interesting to see, though, how they kind of succeed because there really is a division. But, <laughs> but it's not... You've got to laugh, haven't you? <laughs> but that's an, a natural rival is going to be Vancouver because mm. that's going to be the, the, the nearest one. I think, you know, I think the NHL kind of needs to look more so if we want to look at it from expanding and things like that is look at the franchises that are not doing so well and kind of move some of those around. I would like to see a franchise in Houston because I think there's a natural rivalry there with Dallas. You would look at something like that. I think Quebec is a, is another prime example of another place you need to go back. But then we're just talking about having teams again in, in North America. We're still not looking at how you kind of increase the reach globally. And I still, as I said, I think that's where they're missing a trick. And I don't think they know what know what to do. And I think for me, the biggest thing that's holding back the sport and the reason why we still continue to talk about the sport as the fourth major sport in North America is the marketing side. All right. You're well, telling me, though, when, when Liam Kirk, GB's finest, Liam Kirk, makes it for the Arizona Coyotes, we are not going to get an NHL game in Sheffield. It's going to happen, surely. Come on, An NHL. You, we're going to have it. We'll have Arizona versus somebody. There's only Sheffield. one arena that can have an NHL game over here. What's that? BDO2. Yeah. It's the only place oh, that will have it. It would save me so much money. <laughs> it's I, all you know about what? you. It would yeah, save me I, so much money. Jeez, it's all right to <laughs> Gary go to New York there, isn't he? <laughs> Gary would you Sheff- save me the flights? Sheffield right. only holds like seven or 8,000 and it's just, yeah, no. Three of them would be in this Five room thousand. right now. We'd all be in there. <laughs> right. Stephen, we've we're got done. to just quickly say to you, what we, we, this is really cruel, but who do you think's got <laughs> yeah, the Stanley, really cr- <laughs> who, who do you think's got the Stanley Cup this year? Just give us a name. See, I know you both want me to turn around and say the maple <laughs> This is the reason why you we put me on the spot. wouldn't be that cruel. I'm um, not as cruel as John. Holding up a giant just like, maple leaf. If, if you could actually like see the fact that they're just like standing over me right now just to say the maple picture leaf. picture of Austin yeah. Matthews just here. I'm showing you my William Nylander tattoo that I'm really worried I'm going to have to have removed. 
No, I, I unfortunately I don't. I think Toronto will have a good season. So you will have playoff Jake. games. So get used to the fact that you're going to have to Cheers. sit up late and you're going to get through the first round for the first time hey. in a while. Um, I I think it really does come down to two teams. I think it comes down to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay are always a team that is always built to be there or thereabouts. I was surprised that they didn't win the cup last season because I felt like they, they had got everything they needed. But obviously Washington came there. And I think a team that you want to look at, and I think they will make a few uh, moves at the deadline as well, just to tweak things a bit, like they did last season, I think is, is the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. They are they are incredibly well built. And I think, again, they will make a hell of a run. I mean, Hellebuck in net is 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 phenomenal netminder for them. Sorry, not the Maple Leafs. You can... You might be this season's Vegas. Fair play. Well, <laughs> <laughs> cheers to uh, to Stephen. Stephen Edwards for being our guest. Uh, we know we're going to be calling on you many more times during the, the season, Steve. Uh, you can follow Stephen and, and all his many sporting adventures on Twitter. He's at TalkSportStephen. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you're an NHL fan from afar too, hoping to get around as many teams as possible this season and hear the most extreme stories of how far you go to support your team, whatever your time zone. Get in touch. Yeah, get in touch. NHL fans from afar at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter as well under that handle. And of course, hit subscribe and drop us a review so you receive our podcast as they hit the internet every uh, every Thursday morning, whatever your colours are. And it's been so much fun just chatting hockey with these guys. And we're going to try and get you guys on as well to talk about it. And if you want to maybe chuck in a subject or chuck in a team that we haven't talked about. Hey, if you're a Canucks fan, get in contact with us. We haven't talked about you at all. What's going on over in Vancouver? St. Louis, all of these other teams. There's so many stories uh, as Stephen has brought to us tonight. And uh, the more we hear from you guys, the less chance I'll have to just rave about the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is good for all of your ears. <laughs> we'll have a cracking first week of the season. Stay up late. We'll be back next week with an Edmonton Oiler fan who's actually heading out to Gothenburg for the NHL Global Series. So from me and Joel on, ta a bit. Bye-bye. Bye.